I think that uh, if they had glow sticks back there, we'd probably celebrate Jesus' birth with glow sticks. That'd be fun. Uh, my name is Charlie. I'm one of the uh, pastors here. Glad that you're here. If you would grab that uh, um, card that was in your seat, it has a uh, communication card on it. Uh, do me a favor, if you would, uh, go ahead and write, whether you've been here a million times or whether you've never been here and this is your first time, uh, please uh, fill out that information if you could so that we can have a chance to communicate with you. And we just want to send you some information about our church, uh, make sure that we have uh, the proper address and numbers. We won't bother you, I promise. Um, but I just want to make sure that we have. And then on the back, it has uh, a chance for you to give us prayer requests or needs that you might have, a chance for us to c- uh, contact you. Uh, and then it has an opportunity, maybe you You've kind of been on the fence to serve with us, with our kids or with our tech team, with our setup team. And we'd love for you to check those boxes in case you would like to be a part of that as well. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about what's happening today. It's kind of a fun day. This is our last service of the year. We will not be meeting here next week. It'll be Christmas morning. So I hope that you would spend that with your families. If you uh, come to the school here, you'll find a locked building uh, and uh, it would not be a fun Christmas celebration for you. So please don't come here. Uh, Nor the next week after that, New Year's Day, we're not going to be here either. We are taking a two-week break, uh, and then we will resume being right back here on January 8th. So uh, that's, that's pretty important. Immediately following today's service, uh, we're kind of celebrating the end of the year, celebrating Christmas, celebrating what God has done in our community uh, with having a uh, Christmas dinner. Uh, and so immediately following this service, we're, uh, we've been frying turkeys all morning this morning, and I've tasted them, and they are a party in your mouth. And so you uh, want to be a part of that. Um, and uh, I know several of you have brought dishes, and I really appreciate that side dishes. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to have brought anything to take part in the lunch if you feel like you want to do that. That's the glory of the Publix down the street. So, and we won't, um, we won't pass any judgment upon you. It'd be, it'd be great for you to join us. You don't have to bring anything, I promise. We just want you to stay and eat and connect with us so that we can celebrate Christ's birth uh, together. And so uh, we'll do that. Our, our service will last probably uh, until about 11.15, and then we'll kind of break down a little bit, get ready for lunch, and all enjoy a good meal together. So we'd love for you to stay for that. That should be a pretty exciting opportunity. And then uh, on Saturday, Christmas Eve, uh, we are having a Christmas Eve service outside. We're calling it our community Christmas Eve service. And that's going to be out at the uh, pavilion at Old Rice Retreat. It's going to be pretty simple, about an hour long from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Uh, I would love for you to come out. And this is a great opportunity um, uh, for you to invite a neighbor or a friend. Uh, we're just going to sing some very familiar Christmas carols uh, and uh, hear about the Christmas story and the gospel that comes through it. Uh, and so it'll be really fun. Bring a chair or something good to sit in unless you want to sit on a picnic table. We'll have the fire burning. We might have some cocoa and stuff like that out there. It'd be great. Uh, if your kids want to come ready in their PJs, that would be fine too. That would be fun. Uh, you don't have to dress up or anything like that. It, it'd just be a fun Christmas. Eve service out of the pavilion. Uh, bring a friend and it'll be really, uh, really great. And we'll have more information about that on our website. So, uh, but let me tell you about this. Today's kind of a special day too, because we uh, have come to uh, the end of, uh, of the track for our joy offering. And so today at the end of the service, uh, we're going to be taking up a special offering for Christmas. Uh, and this is a pretty exciting thing. We're actually trying to raise $20,000 amongst all of us uh, that are part of the Church of Cane Bay. Of course, these are year-end gifts. We're taking it up today, but of course you can uh, give until the end of the year. Um, and so 
here's, here's what this is going for. Uh, we want to give 10%, or our goal is $2,000, to Cane Bay Elementary School. They have showed us a need for their teacher retreat, which is in August, uh, and it's usually underfunded, if, if not funded at all. And so we want to be a part of, um, we want to be a part of making sure that this school has every resource that they need to make sure uh, that they have, uh, that they have what they, they need to make sure that the, the students get the proper teaching, I guess that's what I'm looking for. Um, and so 10% of that money goes to that. Uh, 40% of the money will go to the International Mission Board, which is uh, an organization that we partner with to put uh, missionaries, Christian missionaries, all over the world, over 5,000 of them. Uh, and so this is their Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and we're going to give 40% or hopefully $8,000 to that organization so that Jesus' name gets proclaimed in all corners of the earth, and we're excited to be a partner with that. And then 50% of the money is actually going to stay right here as seed money, uh, because we're growing as a church and we need some more staff. And so uh, we are going to use that money to uh, maybe hire somebody else that can come on board with us to make sure that we are equipping you to be ministers in this community for the gospel. So that's the plan with that. Uh, after, um, a- after the next song that we'll sing and after the sermon, we're going to be taking that up. So you should have an envelope in your seat uh, that you can give. If you are like me and you do not carry any cash, and you haven't seen a checkbook since 1987, um, and uh, if, if you're like me and that's the case, uh, we will actually be setting up a... Uh, of one of our computers in the back of a room uh, so that you can sign on to the city, which is our online portal uh, for giving. And you can give online today right here in this room uh, with a, a debit or a credit card um, so that, with a bank statement of some kind. And you can be a part of that digitally. So we want you to take part in that gift. And here's, here's the deal. I mean, for me, and I, I don't tell you this boastfully, and I only tell you this because I, we are invested in this. Adrian and I and our kids, we are invested in this just as much as you are. And so we've decided to take uh, our December savings, what we put in the bank every month. We decided to take our December savings and give that to the Church of Cane Bay so that we can... um, so that we can give back to the mission of God in our city. None of that will go back into my pocket. It will just go into the mission. And I don't tell you that to brag. I only tell you that to, for you to know that, um, that the staff, um, of course, our other pastor, Joel, and uh, Savannah, who's our children's minister, they, we all give to the mission here. Uh, and we want you to know that we're a part of that. And so along, we are alongside of you in that giving. And so we, we hope that you would take part in that. We know that this season is all about a gift. We know that God is the ultimate giver and he has given his son to us so that we can have eternal life and so we he, he asks us to have an opportunity of faith and generosity this season which is mostly about consuming and spending uh, and we spend ourselves up to wazoo in the stores and i'd hope that you would think through that and i i, I don't say this I, this is kind of tongue-in-cheek but most of the stuff that we'll buy this christmas season will eventually land land in the landfill and so um, it, it will just, it, so what investment can you make that is going to have eternal value? That's the question for today. And I want you guys to think through that as we give in faith and as we give in generosity. And so I'm going to pray and we're going to get started uh, looking at the shepherds today. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I'm grateful for a season where we can um, celebrate your son, Jesus, that he is the pinnacle creation in the entire world is in one way or another celebrating him. And I know that he gets glory through that. And I pray, I pray that your son Jesus is most lifted up, even today. Um, and as we uh, look at kind of the first messengers and the first missionaries on this planet to proclaim Jesus to the world, 
I pray that we would follow that example. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So if you look at, uh, if you have a Bible, Luke chapter 2, that's where we'll be today. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 21. Of course, my friend Ben already read most of all of that for you. Uh, and, and so I'm thankful that we got to see that story. Then we got it uh, illustrated by little Scottish kids, which I really appreciate. My best, my, my favorite part about that is when Mary shows up with a pillow underneath her, uh, underneath her shirt and, 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 and the, the response from Joseph is he just kind of laughs at her, which is uh, probably not how it went down. But, you know, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was kind of funny. Anyway, um, so we see that story and we've always heard that story and it's, a, it's almost legend. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a story we've heard a thousand times. And I hope that through this series, we've looked at Mary and Joseph and now the shepherds. And I hope that through this series, you've been able to see the story with some new eyes. I hope that maybe the little figurines that sit on some kind of table or uh, sit, on a, uh, sit on a cabinet in your house, uh, the little figurines of the nativity set, I, I hope that they come to life for you today in this story. That is, it's not myth. It's not just a legend. It's not an embellished story. It is true. And it's something that has changed our lives. And so I, I want to make sure that we grasp that. Uh, that we grasp that today. And so I, I think um, we looked at Mary and, and how great of an example of faith she had. I mean, she was in, it just impeccable. She was ready to go. She trusted the Lord. And she was uh, excited for the opportunity. I mean, of course, she had a question. How, how is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. How is that going to go down, God? And so God, you know, God told her, hey, I'm going to come. I mean, your Holy Spirit, uh, my Holy Spirit is going to come into you. And, you, and you're going to become pregnant with the Son of God. And it's going to be amazing. Right? And then she, so we follow her example. And last week we looked at Joseph, a very average person, and how God has called him out of his averageness, just like he's called us out of our averageness, so that we might be able to give glory to God at the highest level, that we can live radically obedient lives just like Joseph did. And now we take a look at the shepherds, and, and what we understand is that these people, the Jewish people at the time, very oppressed. Uh, they were oppressed by the Roman society. They were kind of in bondage a little bit in their own land. And they were constantly looking forward to something. Have you ever been in a place in life where you are, you are always, every day, every hour, always looking forward to something? That something was going to happen and you just wish that it would already happen. We're going through that in my household right now, right? I mean, my wife is eight months pregnant, something like that. And it's every day it is, come on, you know, let's, let's just get this done with. Let's, let's have this baby. Let's do this. I know Adrian's thinking that. And so, and, and for me too, I'm just like, can we please just move on with this? And the same, the same feature is happening in Scripture for hundreds of years. They're thinking, when is this Messiah going to get here? When is Emmanuel going to show up on the scene? When is the Savior going to save us? I wish this would happen. And generation after generation after generation, the stories got larger and larger. And it, what's amazing is they probably never got to the point where they actually told the truth about Jesus. They might have started with, you know, it would be really cool if this Emmanuel, if this Messiah was able to come and feed his people uh, just with a couple maybe loaves of bread. Wouldn't that be cool? And maybe the next step is, well, I, you know, I wonder, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be neat if, if Jesus was in a battle and somebody cut off some kind of limb or an ear or a nose or something and Jesus was, and the Emmanuel was able to heal it with the touch of his hand. And of course, these stories just kind of got embellished generation after generation. Wouldn't it be cool if he didn't even need a boat, if he could just walk across the water, right? Hmm. 
We're not embellishing anymore. We're talking about a real person who is God that we're looking forward to, that eventually he is going to come. And in the fullness of time, as Galatians says, Jesus was born. And even the shepherds, even the shepherds, they would have known about him. They would have heard about him. They would have known the legend that was coming. They would have known what was going to happen in some frame of reference. And so I want you to imagine the story through the shepherd's eyes today. So certainly um, they are not the most likely group of people. Uh, The shepherds were a little bit weird. I mean, think through it for a second. The shepherds are folks that uh, they are with animals 24 hours a day. They eat with them. They sleep with them every night. You ever met somebody that sleeps with animals every night? A little bit weird. I mean, they, they've got to be a little bit weird. And, and they got to the point where they, they, they're very dirty people. Uh, they got to, they, their reputation was a lowlife, a crook, and a thief. And the reason why, they would have been Jews. They would have been Israelites. However, they were the lowest of the low. They couldn't leave their flocks at any point in time. It's not like they, they, they could rent them out or put them in a kennel. They were always with them. So there was no chance for them to go to the temple and learn from the priests and the scribes. There was no chance for them to grow in their faith. They were always working. They were always out in the field. They were always tending to the sheep. Cool thing is, it's possible that they were tending to sheep that would eventually, to, um, to, to sheep that would eventually go to be sacrificed in that temple for the sins of mankind, and then they would eventually be the proclaimers of the only Lamb of God, which is just super cool all in itself. But anyway, they are constantly outside of society. They didn't attend the temple, uh, and, and and we can think we don't have shepherds in our day. We don't have many of them, at least. Uh, you know, we we have a very um, cultured society. And so uh, think, think for yourself, if there, if there was an equivalent, um, and not to put these people down, but sanitation worker would be a picture. Uh, maybe the guy, uh, maybe the guy in the back of a truck selling shrimp, you know, or something like that. Even, even the guy, uh, maybe in a back alley, who's like, psst, psst, come here, I got some stuff in my truck that you're going to want to see. Right, and it's a great deal. It's really cheap. You know, I can I can really hook you up, kind of deal. Like, and we think like that's a little shady, right? I mean, that's that's the picture that the shepherds are to the rest of their culture. And so, think about that for a second. Think about for a second, moms. If you had were um, in labor and delivery, and you had just given birth to your baby, and you're in the hospital, and a garbage man shows up to your room. Just fresh from work, unshaved, unshowered. He's already done 12 hours worth of work, and he wants to see your baby. Right? That's the picture. That's what's happening in this story. These are very unkept, weird, strange folks. So what happens? What happens? They are bedding down for the night. They are going to sleep with their animals in the fields, taking care of them just like every other night. And then this magnificent light appears in the sky. A huge burn that it calls the glory of the Lord begins shining in the night. And it, like the picture is the glory of the Lord, a cloud or a fiery cloud so bright, so magnificent that it just shows up and it's, it's almost blinding. 
The glory of the Lord. And then out of that glory, out of that light, comes this magnificent creature. He's not human. He's, not, he's supernatural. He's a brute of a creature. He's huge. Chiseled cheeks. Strong. Massive. Wings. Right? This isn't a cute creature. Right? This isn't a naked cherub. Right? This is a magnificent, supernatural creature. An angel shows up and talks to the shepherds. And this booming voice. It's not small. It's not like pip squeaky. It's not Linus from the Peanuts. You know, it's not like, hey, <laughs> you know. Born to us this day as a child. You know, like it's not like that. You know, it's not, it is this booming voice. That is, that is going all over the place. It's paralyzing to them. And all they can do is stand up and look at this beautiful picture. And they're glaring at it. And he says this. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. This is a big Statement. If I can have that verse up on the screen, if that if that's at all possible, for unto you a child is born in the city of David. Um, I think that it is. If I can help you out, awesome. Quicker than I am. Sweet. Uh, anyway, let's let's break down this statement for a second because it's it's big and it's filled with great stuff. Good news of great joy to what? What does it say? All people. All people. This isn't some people. This isn't just the Jews. This isn't just a small sect of society. This is what? All people. For the first time, the gospel is proclaimed to everybody. This is where we get missions. This statement is one of the first mission statements on the face of the planet. I mean, the the angel comes and says, I bring you good tidings of great joy for everybody. This is where we get church planning. This is where we get the International Mission Board to send 5,000 missionaries all across the world. This is where we, this is where we get community missions and local missions. And uh, I mean, I met with somebody on Water Missions International here in Charleston this week. I mean, we, we get our, our chances to display and serve and love the community. Why? Because the mission of God is for everyone, not just some, not just a few select people, not just rich, uh, you know, not just rich upper class people from Charleston. That's not what it's for. It's for everybody. Everybody is proclaimed the son. The son who is born, who is going to eventually die for all mankind. And this is what I want you to understand from this person who uh, might not get this all together. It's for you. No matter how far away you are from God. No matter how far from Jesus you think you are. Whether you've been sinful your whole entire life. Whether you've done stuff that you never want anybody else to know about. That there's secret stuff in your heart that you would never display or you would never want exposed. That you believe in your heart of hearts that there's nowhere, there's no, there's no way that God could possibly love me. You don't even, Charlie, you don't even know the things that I've done. You don't know the things that I've put in my body. You don't know the people that I've slept with. You don't know, you don't know these things. 
God brought his son for everyone, for all people, no matter how far you are from him. And here's the deal. The farther you are from God gives him the chance to show a greater mercy. It gives him a chance to show his glory because he gets to give grace to you, someone who is desperate, desperately in need of saving. And, desperate, and, and, and you might not even think you're not even worth it. But it gives God the chance to show his mercy off to the world. And he wants to do that. And he wants to do that for you. The second thing I want you to see is the city of David or Bethlehem. Bethlehem means uh, house of bread, right? The city of David, drawing back to the prophecies. There are uh, prophecies in the Old Testament that directly link Bethlehem to this. They knew that there there was a great possibility that the Messiah somehow would be linked to this city. And it is the immediate link to David. Now, David was the greatest king in Israel's history. They always, everybody always looked back to David, right? Always, we, we, as Americans, we look back to presidents in our society. We all, who, who do we look back to? Abe Lincoln, Washington, Roosevelt. Some of these, these big, like, they, they had big names in their culture that they looked back to and said, this is the great one. This is the best king that we've ever had. And David suited that. He truly was the best. He al- he's always the one that comes to the, uh, comes to the forefront when you say, what is the best king? And so for, for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem, the city of David, it is the city of kings. It is the city that you should be from if you are the Messiah. Because he is a king. Jesus ultimately is a king. And he has a kingdom. And the third thing, and this is the, one of the best statements of all, we all know this statement, uh, that he is a savior, Christ, the Lord, savior, Christ, and Lord. Those three, those three words never appear together ever again in scripture. It is a savior, Christ, and Lord, that he is, uh, that we are desperately in need of rescue. That's the savior part. Christ. Now, Jesus Christ, Christ is not Jesus's last name. Christ is his title. It's who he is. He is the Messiah. He is, get this, he, Christ means the anointed one. He is the anointed one. And then it goes on, Christ the Lord. He is the anointed one who reigns and rules over creation. He is the one who controls. He is the one who is Lord over your family, who is Lord over the city, who is Lord over this country. He rules and reigns. And he also, he is the savior. He's the one that saves it. He's the anointed king and he's the one who rules and reigns. It's the perfect picture. And then we get back to the city of David. You see David, if you go back and read in first and second Samuel in the old Testament, it's this, it's this story about how David, the boy king who was, in, who was anointed by Samuel, chosen by God, you are the anointed one. And then there was this long period of time, numerous years where David was the anointed king, but he still wasn't the king yet. He hadn't been inaugurated or appointed the king. There's a big difference between anointed and appointed. And so we have the anointed king, David, who spends several years. He's a soldier in the army. And over time, he begins to bring people to his side. And he begins to to gain favor with people. Now it's a battle. David fights many, many battles against many, many foes, many, many evil people. And he destroys them. And it's glorious and good. And he keeps on building up all these people to his side. And then eventually, 
David is inaugurated as the king of Israel. And all of these people, tens upon hundreds of thousands of people that he has gained favor with, make up his vast kingdom. Now here's the deal. Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one. He has yet to be appointed or inaugurated. I know this is kind of deep theology, but it's really cool. You have the anointed one, and now what is he doing with his church? He's gathering people for the kingdom. He's gathering people that he wants to save and take into his kingdom and love them and care for them and save them. And then one day, when all is perfect and at the right time, Jesus will be appointed an inaugurated king. And at that point, Satan, evil, death, it will all be over. That every, everything that is evil and wrong and sinful in this world, Jesus will take over and, and, and take down. It will be gone. And the perfect will be, the only, the only thing left will be absolute perfection with the appointed righteous king. And as the church, our job is to gain more and more people. Now we're going to battle it out and it's going to be hard, just like David battled it out. And we're going to battle it out. But as the Savior, Christ, and Lord, he is gathering people for his kingdom. And that's why he came. So let's get back to the shepherds real quick. So the shepherds heard this guy. And this, I mean, wow, we are a part of that. Glory to God in the highest. Obviously, glory to God in the highest. Amazing, great stuff, power, might. We are, and, and, and they're thinking, we're invited to this. This is going to be an awesome thing. And here's here, here, for, um, verse 12. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. What? Now, I've heard the stories, the shepherds are thinking. I've heard the stories of splendor, influence, might, power. Why? And, and the shepherds would have known what a manger is. It's a feeding trough for animals. They would have known that pretty well. Why is the Savior and the Christ in the feeding trough? What's going on with that? And so, and then they're appointed. I, I, you know, I can even think there's several of them. Probably one or two of them are thinking, let's go figure out why the Savior of the world is in a feeding trough. We should probably go find that out and, and, and figure and kind of give them something else to do, right? Right? And then like one of them's like, okay, he called us to go. We got all these sheep. What are we supposed to do with the sheep? And somebody's like, just take them. So we're like, okay, let's take them all. Here we go. We're all going to go into town with hundreds of sheep. And we're going to go try to find somebody that had a baby. And we're going to try to save the savior of the world out of the manger. Uh, because this giant supernatural creature told us to. That's where we're at. And they go. And they faithfully go. Why? Because of this. Because he is, they are told, glory to God in the highest. And, and on earth... Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Who do they want to please? They want to please the king. They want to go and be a part of the kingdom. And they're not going to wait another second. They're not going to worry about the sheep. They're going to bring them with them. They're not going to, they want to be the first ones there. Because the first one the Savior sees, I mean, obviously they're thinking, peace. We're, we're no longer going to be the, the oppressed reject in society. That if we can be with the Messiah, if we can be with 
if we can be with Jesus, then that means that we're, we're no longer the, the, the lowest of low, that we're actually favored and we have peace in our life, that we're no longer the scoundrels that people make us out to be. And so they go and they move towards Jesus and they find him, probably taking several hours to walk through town and kind of open doors and say, hey, did you have a baby tonight? No? Okay, let's move on. Hey, did you have a baby? No? Okay, let's go. Let's move on. I mean, it, you, it probably took them a little while to do this. Um, but uh, you, you can imagine, though, at, at some point they, they find the baby. They worship. It's an amazing experience. They kind of figure out why they're there. Right? And then they begin to tell other people. I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you, like, I remember when we have our first kid, and maybe dads, you remember this too, you don't even care who is in the room with you, you are going to tell somebody about the fact that you just had your first child, right? It doesn't even matter if the conversation even got close to that, it could be like, hey, how's, you know, how, you know, how the Panthers doing? Oh, they're pretty good. Hey, did you hear I had a baby? Yeah, I had a baby. Cool. I mean, it's just like, it, it just, move, the conversation immediately moves that direction. And, you know, if you get a raise at work, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. You're going to immediately go to, I got a raise at work. If, if you won a million dollars somehow, somehow the conversation within 30 seconds is going to change to, hey, I won a million dollars. And that's, that's going to get on the Christmas card at some point that year, right? You're going to make a big deal out of the fact that something amazing has happened. And these guys did that. And they began to spread the word and tell everyone about what they have seen and what has been done. That the Savior, the Messiah, and we know that it's him. We know that it's him because a giant angel creature and thousands more sang to us on the hillside just now. Right? Okay. And if you thought that the angels, uh, I mean, if you, if you thought that the, if you were in their culture... And the, the guy who is in the back alley with the truck full of probably stolen material wants to sell it to you. And then he comes to you and says, I had an angelic experience where thousands of angels sang to me and told me to go find a baby that was in a barn. Right? I mean, you'd probably question that a little bit. And so you could see the response from people. And they say, uh, uh, verse 18, And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Now, sometimes wonder is, is, sometimes it's an okay thing, right? Man, I wonder what it would be like if I was the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. You know, I've never thought that in my life. Um, you know, I, I wonder what it would be like. And there's this majesty or majesticness to it. And then there's sometimes where we use the word wonder and we're like, yeah, I wonder what they're thinking. Yeah, I wonder, I, I, I'm not really, uh, I don't really, I wonder, you know, I really wonder about that person, Right? So I'm not really sure what Luke meant when he says they were, they were in wonder of the shepherds, right? And I think this is us. And here's what I want us to get about the shepherds, who we are. As Christians, as people who live and love Jesus as our life, we are called to be just like the shepherds. We are called to have a supernatural, grace-filled experience and where Jesus comes into our life. He is, we recognize that he dies for us, that he knows us, he redeems us. And we're called, we, we, we love that amazing experience, just like the shepherds had a supernatural experience. And then God calls us to tell everyone as missionaries, and as if we have been told the best news on the planet, it is our job, it is our function to tell 
everyone about that experience. And here's the deal. It is not our job to save people. I want you to get that. It's not our job to save people. We can't make anybody believe in Jesus. We just can't do that. And that's not our job. And God doesn't want us to do that. God doesn't want us to even think that. But it is our job to tell people about him, to share our story, to share the truths of Jesus, to share the truths of the Bible. He wants us to share that truth because it is good news. It's awesome news for everybody. And so just as the shepherds do, we want to do that. And I think the reason why, I think the reason why we struggle to share our faith as Christians, I think the reason why we struggle to do that is because we somehow believe that we are going to fail in it. And that if we fail, that somehow in our mind, God has failed too. When that's not true at all. Our function is to tell the good news. We leave the result to God and how his Holy Spirit is going to work in that person's heart. And we want to do that as a grace-filled Christian to tell people about the joy and about, uh, about the peace that we have. Um, I deeply desire this for our community and our city. The reason why we moved here was for this purpose. Uh, I really want to see this community have more Christians that worship God, that tell more people about him. That's our goal. And I want our city to grow. I want Charleston to come back to its formal, former glory of loving Jesus. It's, did you know that Charleston's called the holy city? Because there was more Christians per capita than any other city. I mean, that's, that's why it's like that. There's a lot of, there was a lot of churches. But now we've kind of lost that. And I want to get that back. I want to get Christ back into this city. And so that's why we do stuff. That's, that's why we serve our city. That's why we're invested in it. That's why we do stuff like the egg drop. That's why we do stuff like the event last week, uh, Christmas at Cane Bay. That's why we do that kind of stuff. We do it so that we can serve and love Jesus. And you might, you might say, isn't that, isn't that a little sneaky Aren't you, you know, is, don't you have an ulterior motive? Well, I, don't, I wouldn't say that we have an ulterior motive. We do have an ultimate motive. Our ultimate motive throughout all of this stuff is to share the love of Christ with people. And we really want to do that. And we unashamedly tell people that. Whenever we work with, with, with folks uh, for these big events, I always tell them, our goal is to tell people about Jesus. We want to do that in a grace-filled way so that we can begin relationships with people. So that they can know the love of Christ. And that's what our goal is as a church. And so I hope that you would get on board with that. I hope that you would share your faith. I have a simple challenge for you this Christmas. You have, we have three weeks until our next service. Three weeks from today. And here's, here's my simple challenge to you as a Christian. Right? I want you to share your story with just one person over the next three weeks. Will you take that challenge? I want you to share your story. Now, you might think, well, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know a whole lot about the Bible. I, I don't know a whole, I, you know, I don't know how to, you know, share my faith. I'm not really technically a missionary. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trained. I, all I want you to do is share your story. No matter how far or near from God you are, I want you to share your story about Jesus in your life with someone. And that could be a family member. It could be a friend, somebody. And you have three weeks to do it, right? So I want you to take that challenge. Write it down. Think of that, and here's the deal. Right now, you're probably thinking of somebody in your life, in your influence, that you can share that with. So I give you three weeks to do that. And we don't even have a church to bother you, all right? So, like, I mean, you, you have time, right? Three weeks to do it. 
And here's the cha- here's and it, here's the next step. Not only do I want uh, I want you to share some I want you to share your life, share your story with somebody. Invite them to come with you on January 8th. That's three weeks from today, and, and I'll have a sermon prepared that is going to talk about the sovereignty of God and, and the gospel in people's lives. It's going to be really easy for people to understand the basic gospel and how they can become a Christian. And so, uh, and, and so I really want you uh, to gather that uh, together in the next three weeks. Find that person, talk to them about your story, tell them your story, and tell them about how Jesus has changed your life. So that's your step. That's your big challenge. Let's go back to the manger for a second for one more thought. Can you imagine, and I want you to picture this. you imagine Mary sitting there, uh, just have given birth several hours before, and she's holding Jesus, who she knows is the Messiah, that she knows is the Son of God, a miraculous birth, and she's holding him. And she's looking at into the eyes of this little baby-born infant, right? She's looking at this child, and things are going through her head. What's he going to do? I've heard all the stories before. I've heard the exaggerations of what he might be. I've heard them. But really, now that I'm holding him, what's he going to be like? What's his personality? Is he going to have a sense of humor? Is he going to be athletic? Is he going to be left-handed, right-handed, right? I don't, I don't know. Maybe he's ambidextrous. He was Jesus. He'd probably do it best with every hand, right? What's he going to be like? What's his skills going to be like? How is he going to look at people? How is he going to give people hope? And she's just wondering about what's going to happen with this child. And she looks up and sees some men in the stable with her. She looks back at the child, looks up at them, looks back at the child, and she realizes... He's going to be just like them. He's going to be a shepherd. In scripture, in Psalm 23, you guys know it well. The Lord is my shepherd. Later on in scripture, he is called the great shepherd. And she looks at them and says, isn't it appropriate that humble people come to the stable tonight to show me exactly what my son is going to be ultimately? He is going to care for the sheep. He is going to care for us. He is going to care for me. He's going to protect us and keep us. That's what Christmas is. Christmas is a story of rescue of the great shepherd who is coming to protect and save his sheep. And so I've talked a little bit, I've talked a lot to Christians today. And so here's what I want to say to those of you who might not be a Christian, and you might have rejected this, or you might just say, hey, this really isn't for me. Jesus, the one who came and and was born in in this manger, was the Savior of the world, and he wants to protect and keep you. He wants a relationship with you, and he wants to start that today, right now. And that man grew, he died, and rose again for your sin, no matter how far away from you, how far away from uh, God you are. And so um, I pray that as we sing, as we continue, as we fellowship, I pray that you talk to somebody about that relationship with God that you need. It doesn't even matter. Maybe the person that came with you, talk to them about a relationship with God. Okay? We're going to sing a little bit. We're going to have some fun. We'll take up our offering in a few minutes. I'll come back and talk about that. So let's pray together. Jesus, I'm thankful for how you have uh, truly glorified yourself. I wish that I was there. 
I so desperately wish I was there in that field with those shepherds to see the glory that you have. Um, to see the majesty. To see you proclaimed in splendor. Might we be able to shout that same glory to the rooftops? Might we be missionaries just like those? And I'm thankful that you gave the angels job to shepherds. And you have given the missionary work from angels to us. Thank you for that. And Father, I pray that we would take up that mission strongly. Father, I pray that the, that the people that came into our minds as, well, as I made that challenge, I pray that, that we would take intentional effort to talk with them over the next three weeks about a relationship with you and how you have changed our lives and how you can change their lives as well. I pray boldness for this church. I pray courage for this church that they would not think that salvation lies on them and that they would not think that you will fail. Father, the only failure is if we don't tell. Father, I pray we don't fail. And so... Jesus, we love you. We're thankful that you are our shepherd. And uh, you are a good God. And as we sing about how holy you are, um, I pray that you would hear it from this church. In your name we pray. Amen.